it's starting to be a little bit of a slower trickle in. Shawnee County has vaccinated around 50% of its population. Around 40% of that group has been fully vaccinated. I spoke with Shawnee County Health Officer Aaron Locke to cover a variety of COVID-19 related questions, like why should someone get vaccinated and why have cases of COVID-19 remained steady overall, even though numbers of the confirmed variant continue to rise. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I'm not quite sure what time you're listening to me right now. I'm just glad that you are. My name is Blaze Mesa, and this is the news from our city. Hello, Kansas. Thank you very much. Hello, Kansas. From the steps of City Hall. Let's move forward together. Let's move forward in unity. To the county commissioners. This outbreak is running ahead of us big time. We've got your local government news right here. Motion carries 3-0. Next item. But uh, we're on with Shawnee County Health Officer, Dr. Aaron Locke. So actually, the health department had kind of approached me saying there were some things that you all wanted to talk about. I feel like a lot of stuff has been happening the last week or so. Uh, the second variant of concern has been confirmed in Shawnee County, that being the California variant, which is B1... B1429. B1429. Uh, so I guess kind of what's on your mind? What are some things we should know about? I'll just let you have the floor for a few minutes here. Yeah, well, good afternoon, Blaze. Thank you for allowing me to come back onto your show. Um, well, there's just been quite a bit of change in the last few weeks for Shawnee County. And, um, you know, I, I believe that there are our residents in Shawnee County who have some questions about um, our latest set of recommendations and also all the news about the variants, just as you touched on. And so that was uh, the hope was to be able to straighten out some of those questions. So when we're talking about recommendations, it's kind of what had been happening before. Mm -hmm. Quickly walk us through the process of approving recommendations, because I know in mid-March, the Shawnee County commissioners voted to make all health recommendations or all health restrictions recommendations. Now the health department has always issued these recommendations. It was just that the commissioners made them a little more stringent. Is that a good way to put it? Yes, I think so. I think there's one, uh, one really important point though, about the legality of it all. And so to go back um, to let's say 2020, um, late 2020, any health order issued by the health officer would automatically be um, an order that had the law behind it. Um, it would then be presented to the commissioners to be changed from a health order into a resolution. So it would also have some force of uh, the commissioners behind that too. That was a process that we were using here in Shawnee County. In other counties, the health orders would be issued and nothing further would happen with them because they were legal documents, essentially. Um, a few weeks ago, the legislature, they passed the Senate Bill 40. And what that did is that it took away the legal authority of the health orders that were issued by the health officer. And it's for this reason that we're, we're actually submitting out recommendations because there's no longer a legal authority behind it. 
Mm-hmm. So then what are your most recent string of recommendations? I was reading through them and they get really specific into a lot of things with gyms and daycares and all that stuff. But at least for the person who doesn't happen to own a gym or daycare, what do they need to know? Yeah, that is such a great question. Um, they're they're fairly broad because there are so many different uh, locations of people in Shawnee County. And um, so we're trying to, to give some ideas for how everybody can keep their own space safe. But for the general, just the general person, it would be the recommendation to continue to wear a mask and really to continue to avoid crowds or um, if they're going to be in a place that has a crowd to make sure that social distancing is still maintained and that others at that event or that space are still wearing their masks. And so that would be the, the most important thing to come out of that recommendation for just your average citizen. And I don't remember any language distinguishing between a vaccinated person and an unvaccinated person. So whether you have the vaccine or not, does it make a difference in these uh, recommendations? There is a difference in your private kind of personal spaces that a, a person who is fully vaccinated can be in another private space with other fully vaccinated individuals. And the likelihood that there's a virus that could be transmitted back and forth is so low that it's okay to go ahead and take off your mask. Um, In more public spaces, the recommendation is to still do the mitigation activities that would lower your, your risk of becoming, you know, coming into contact basically with the virus. And, and so that is still the recommendation right now for when you go out in public. Uh, And I know we're talking about some of these recommendations because of the variants around. They're a little bit more transmissible, but we still haven't yet seen a big spike in cases. Uh, I know I'd reported this about a week or two ago, but it's not quite that we've won, right? Like we're not out of the woods. We didn't, we can't celebrate yet. So uh, does the health department know why we haven't seen a big spike in cases? I think there's, you know, there's a couple things that play there. Um, Prior to the variants' arrival in the county, we were really trending down quite beautifully, um, pretty much from the beginning of when I took over as the health officer until just a few weeks ago. Every week, the cases were looking better. And the, then when the variants arrived, suddenly it started going back up again. Not a lot, but a little bit. And then now we've kind of hit this plateau. And that, that plateau of cases every week is really the variant moving through the community. Now, it could have been a lot worse, except that we were able to vaccinate many of our community members. And so, uh, and that's like a point to make is that the vaccine protects against this variant. So older individuals, people that we would have expected to start getting sick and hospitalized from the variant have been protected and they're not getting cases. However, we are seeing a shift in the proportion of cases towards younger people who are not yet vaccinated. And so when we look at the cases that we are, um, we are documenting every week, it's, it's going into those people who are still vulnerable. And I think at least a week or two ago, you had said the UK variant was somehow related or maybe responsible for a majority of the new cases in Shawnee County. How does the health department know that? Because I know not every case is sent off to a lab to be tested. 
Well, that's the um, beauty, I guess, of our case investigations. A lot of effort is put into talking to the, the person who is infected and who are the people that they've been around. Was it at a party? Was it at a sleepover? Was it at school or work? And then sort of tracing that out and really looking at the times when symptoms started, the times when people were diagnosed, who else is involved, all of those factors. And so what, what we start to do in this um, detective work essentially is tr follow through on those um, transmissions. And while not everyone is sequenced so that to be a confirmed variant, there can be enough in that cluster and in that transmission that you can see that it's the variant that's passing through all those all of those individuals. So when you can't send us to the lab for sequencing, does that technically count as a variant case if I go to a party with the UK variant and I two people at that party get sick? Is only one of those three cases variant confirmed? Yep, we only call it a variant if it's been sequenced. Even if we strongly suspect because of our our case investigations that this, uh, these other people have the variant, we do not call it the variant because we cannot say for certain. Mm -hmm. And then is the variant spreading quickly then in Shawnee County? No. So let, let me explain what I mean a little bit by that. Mm -hmm. We had three cases in late March. I want to say around March 30th, but I don't remember the exact day. Three cases of the UK variant. Now I think it's up a little more in the 50s or 60s. Is that number about right? Yeah, it's just over 60 cases of variant total. So I think the UK is like 56 cases as of as of my last update this morning. Mm -hmm. So it, it seems like those are spreading. The variant cases are growing more and more each day. Um, is that a quick spread as far as variants are concerned? Yeah, we. this is spreading in a way that's slightly different than before with the previous variant. And you know, it's kind of hard to describe except for when you've been in it and you've been seeing the expected patterns. One of the ways that this is different is that when it infects a member of the family, we are seeing almost every other member of the family become sick within a few days. Previously, there might be half of those family members, but now it's just really spreading through. Or if there is a party, we, may, we can pretty much expect that multiple people will be coming ill, even, even more so than what the patterns that we were seeing before. And so it's not a surprise to us that we're, we're getting all of these sequences back and they're all saying that they're the UK variant. Um, it's no surprise to me because of how we're seeing it just rush through families and so on. And then one thing I'm a little confused on is how this variant and the cases can grow and grow and grow each week, but overall Shawnee County's case count is plateauing. If you kind of get what I'm saying, how is one portion of the cases growing, but generally we're not seeing the rise? Yeah, so if I understand what you're asking, we are seeing increased cases in like younger, in the younger population, but they're decreasing in the older population as the vaccine is administered. Is that what you're kind of asking about? Not so much that, uh, but we can get on to that in a second. But what I'm wondering is how we go from three cases of the UK variant to around 50-ish or 57 or whatever the number you'd mentioned a second ago. Shouldn't we also then be seeing an overall case count grow with the growth of the UK variant? Like if there are more and more UK variant cases, shouldn't that be reflected 
in the total oh, number? So, okay, are you, I think what I, you're asking is for every UK variant case, we should have more additional ones. <laughs> yes. Um, I think that right now it is, and I should give um, credit where it's due, our contact tracers have been working overtime to try to identify and isolate um, and then get into quarantine the contacts. And so we right away, we've been on top of this and trying to identify variants and keep basically keep it contained. Um, so I think part of what you're asking is that why hasn't it just kind of blown up? Um, it's in part because of all the work that our contact tracers are doing. So what exactly does a contact tracer do? I feel like I've been hearing this term a lot and I have some pretty good guesses at what they do. <laughs> they probably work with the person who is sick to see where they've been. But when yeah. we're talking about how it stops people, because I'm at least imagining, again, if I go to a party and I get mm -hmm. sick and the contact tracer says, who were you with on Saturday? Wouldn't those people kind of already be infected? How do these contact tracers then stop it? Yeah, it's, it's absolutely possible that they could already be infected, but they may not yet be um, infectious to others. And so, um, so a contact tracer or case investigator it can be basically the same thing, will um, receive this notification that there's been a positive result and then will reach out to that person um, by phone is usually how these, these are conducted and will confirm all sorts of details, the date that symptoms started, the date that they were diagnosed, you know, what, what other treatments, what's their history of being infected. Um, and then yes, we'll go through um, day by day from like two weeks before the symptoms started to, you know, up until the day that they talk to, talk to them and really trying to get an idea, where did you go? What did you do? Who were you with? to be able to understand where they may have become infected, but also who they may have then spread it to. Once they've done and gathered as much information about that as they can, and this is all done, I should say, with the cooperation of the, of the person infected, then they will try to reach the contacts and basically notify them that they've been exposed. They do not tell, say, the exact person who exposed them, but they will say you've been exposed, you know, you need to quarantine. Here's, here's what quarantine is and what to do. If you get symptoms, please test. And then when their quarantine end date would be. And occasionally we'll even check back in again to see how they're doing and making sure that they're okay. But I think that's kind of the summary of um, the work that's done. You can imagine it takes a lot of work for even one person. And there's a possibility that that person that they try, you know, they asked to put into quarantine has already been infectious and out and about in the community. But if you can do the turnaround time fast enough, you can ask a person to quarantine before they start, before they reach that infectious period. And that's the whole goal of it all. And we're talking about quarantining with close contacts. Again, on with Shawnee County Health Officer, Dr. Aaron Locke. That changes a little bit if you are vaccinated, because if you and correct me if I'm wrong, but if you are exposed but vaccinated, you don't have to quarantine. Is that right? Yes. It's one of the many benefits of being vaccinated is that if, if you are fully vaccinated and you are exposed, you do not have to quarantine. We do ask that you monitor your symptoms. And if you develop any symptoms, you go ahead and get tested. But no quarantine for people who are fully vaccinated. 
So then how has the vaccination rollout been going? At least the numbers I have here, and this obviously isn't the full number, it's just Mm -hmm. Stormont Vale had sent me an email, so I just happened to have their COVID update on. Uh, As of Thursday, the 22nd, they have given 74,750 shots. I imagine that is individual shots, so that is not 74,000 vaccinated people. That is just individual shots. That seems like a large number. I don't know how to put that in any type of context. So that's why I'll defer to you. How has it been going so far? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, Stormont Vale is is part of our collaborative and um, has been working really well with the whole team um, to be vaccinating uh, Shawnee County residents. And um, as of Wednesday, when I received the, the latest report, Almost 70,000 adults in Shawnee County have been vaccinated. And if we look at what percentage that is of individuals, of adults, and I'm talking 16 and up here. um, So basically of all the people eligible in Shawnee County, that's about 50% have received at least one vaccine. Now of the, that same group, about 40%, are fully vaccinated. They've received both doses or they re- the, there's a few who would have received the J&J. Um, but overall, we actually have reached a pretty significant portion of the population. And uh, a big thanks to our collaborative partners, but the hospitals, um, the pharmacies, the uh, like Topeka Fire Department for reaching homebound, going to the rescue mission, going to congregate settings and our long-term care settings. There's been a lot of work to to get as far as we've as we've gotten so far. And I want to say it's been maybe a month or so since anyone 16 and older could get a vaccine or a shot in Shawnee County and, and Kansas as a whole. Has there been an uptick in cases or not in cases, but in people getting vaccinated? Um, our biggest vaccination month was in March, and about 40% of our vaccinations took place in the month of March alone. Since then, in, in April, that vaccination has, that, that rate has started to slow. We we're kind of reaching that point where everyone who wanted the vaccine has now had the opportunity to get it, and they've gone ahead and, and received it. And you know, we, we continue to have people come in every day and get vaccinated, but it's starting to be a little bit of a slower trickle in. And there are many appointments open right now for individuals who decide it's right for them. So is the health department worried that 50% is going to be, or getting much beyond 50% is going to be kind of a, a slow march? It is going to be slower now. It, absolutely. I think, um, we're going to continue to evaluate where barriers continue to exist for individuals who want the vaccine but are having difficulty accessing it. So we will continue to um, look, look for that and try to overcome those. We'll be getting out into the community a little bit more, trying to think of new and uh, different approaches to bringing vaccine uh, to people. And, you know, this is when I'd really like to talk about uh, what's, what is holding it up for people? What, what more information do they need to help make the decision for them um, to feel comfortable making that decision to get vaccinated? And so that's partly why uh, I wanted to be on the podcast today to talk about the benefits of the vaccine and, and to try to um, explain, you know, any concerns that might be that might exist. So then uh, obviously feel like the benefits of the vaccine are 
being vaccinated. Uh, I can let you get to more into that more in a second, but has there been any major side effects, any issues that Shawnee County has seen? I know Johnson and Johnson is being reviewed, but none of that happened locally. Any concerns Shawnee County wise? Yeah. So um, Shawnee County, there's, as far as the J and J goes, there's been a little over 2000, I think individuals who have received the the J and J and to our knowledge, there has not been any negative outcomes from receiving it. So that's very fortunate. You always, you're always concerned that it could be right, right at home in your backyard. Um, and yes, as you said, the, the J and J is being reviewed as we speak and my, my belief um, is that we will receive an answer on that shortly. There's some hope because Europe has already approved the J&J that we will also see the approval here. And when I first heard the news about the J&J, at first, I'll admit it was disheartening. I was concerned that um, people who had all, were already concerned about the vaccines, that this would further the concerns, essentially. But what I'm hearing now is that this is actually helping people to have confidence in the vaccine process, that we only needed to see a few cases of something that didn't look right for the whole thing to be paused and reviewed. And it it does show, I believe, that the vaccine, the safety uh, network is working and that it's being taken very seriously. And... I've heard, and we've actually heard that there's quite a number of people in the community who are waiting for the J&J to be approved and then they will go get their vaccine. So I think that there's quite a few people in the community who also believe in the safety of this review process. But then, so Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, when it was administered, no major side effects in Shawnee County that you are aware of? Nothing that is outside of the norm. Um, of course, there's been some a few side effects that people have experienced um, that they've been evaluated for, but there has not been any concern um, outside of what we would expect, no serious adverse events. I'm going to make the assumption that you are probably vaccinated. Is that correct? I sure am, of course. I, I actually jumped on it right away, and my first vaccine was like December 16th, so... Um, as soon as I could get it, I, I received it. I imagine that was Pfizer. Were there any reactions, anything that happened with you? Nothing happened with me. Yeah. You know, for me, certainly not after the first one with the second one. Um, oh, it was like the day after I got my second dose that I felt a little achy and kind of a headache. Um, that lasted for, I don't know, a few hours, certainly by the next day it was done. And so I, um, I can't say that I had any sort of negative concern out of it. I have heard um, one of my family members had their second dose and they felt a little bit worse, you know, than I did, but nothing that's um, of particular concern. Mm -hmm. um, so you mentioned earlier the benefits of getting a vaccine and you want to talk about that a little bit. I'm not a very sciencey person. I didn't, <laughs> I did not study any of the things you studied. Is uh -huh. there, is there more than just one benefit to getting vaccinated? I would just oh, assume gosh. it's immunity. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, um, so of course, like you said, there's the benefit of being protected and, um, and not being hospitalized, not, not dying from COVID. I mean, that's of course like a big one. Um, and with that, there's some freedoms that we actually get from being vaccinated. For example, we can feel confident that we can be around someone else who's vaccinated and we don't have to wear our masks. 
I'll tell you the first time that I was in another room with another vaccinated person and we both took our masks off was a little bit scary, but also um, like, like, oh my gosh, thank goodness. I'm one step closer to normalcy, you know? Um, another benefit, as you pointed out, was that if you're exposed, you don't have to quarantine. And um, I love that. That gives people their life back again. Um, there is also um, some sort of reports, I guess, that people who have been infected with COVID and they have these those lingering symptoms, you probably, people refer to it by a lot of names, long COVID or post COVID or um Oh, what's another one? But it's basically people whose symptoms never go away. There's been reports that if you get vaccinated, that actually that will help clear up those symptoms, those lingering symptoms that you can't get rid of. Now, that's not the case for everyone, but there's been enough reports across the U.S. that it is believed to be a real ph phenomenon. Um, and so really, I guess, then that all kind of summarizes into the biggest benefit, which is the more people who are vaccinated in our county, the sooner we can get back to life as normal because we can get this under control down to a level that it's not going to just spread like wildfire. And we can all kind of go back to the way we really want to live. I don't think I have too many more questions here, but I am wondering to what level is vaccine skepticism kind of rearing its head. You'd mentioned we're about 50%. I think to get herd immunity, it's maybe 70 or 80%. Mm -hmm. That science has probably changed a lot with the presence of variants, but I'm just going to say 70 to 80% right now because I think yeah, that's sure. about what it is. Um, obviously, that's a 30% gap that needs to be made up before normalcy can return to a good amount. How much has vaccine skepticism kind of played in people not wanting to get their shot? I think that there, there's a, a healthy amount of skepticism right now um, that is preventing people from, going, from feeling confident um, that it's the right decision for them. And I can't uh, say for sure all of the reasons why that, that is occurring. One of the reasons that um, I've been informed is that there's concern, as we mentioned before, about the safety of the vaccines and in particular, how quickly they were, um, uh, how quickly they were produced. You know, it was, it was a priority of the previous administration of President Trump to get it going right away. And throughout all of 2020, they were working on it um, really diligently. And then of course now um, with the new administration, it's finally being rolled out. And so it's sort of been like an overlap. And um, what I, I was following that as well in 2020. Why are we able to produce it so quickly? And the answer is that the, basically the bureaucracy was cut out. All of the safety steps, and there are many that a vaccine goes through, all the safety steps were maintained, but a lot of the, um, the bureaucracy, the waiting to start making it until it's finally been approved, that was all sort of modified and adjusted and um, the unnecessary steps were really cut out, but the safety is necessary and it was, it remained. Um, as far as what you were saying um, with herd immunity, you are right that we will not be able to achieve total herd immunity and really wipe out this, this infection 
unless we um, are able to reach more uh, individuals, unless more adults um, find, you know, feel comfortable to get that vaccine for themselves. And we have to vaccinate children as well. Otherwise, we're not going to reach it. Now, to bring this conversation full circle, um, I think we're both fully vaccinated. Actually, I know we're both fully vaccinated. I figured that out like a minute ago. Um, <laughs> That's but- right. To what level does maybe what some other people do if they're running around without masks and not getting their vaccine, how does that impact people who are fully vaccinated? Shouldn't I just be able to like walk through a cloud of COVID and be fine? Yeah, you know, that is such a good question and one that um, can be confusing. So um, I'm sure you're familiar with the efficacy rates of the vaccines and um, they're actually quite good, 90, 95% efficacy. But what that means is that it's not 100%. So it means that some people um, do come into contact with COVID and do get infected even when they're fully vaccinated. Now, now fortunately, they only have very mild symptoms. We're not seeing people um, you know, be hospitalized or die if they're vaccinated and they come into contact. But as other people get vaccinated, the overall burden of disease lowers and the likelihood that people will run into a cloud of COVID, as you said, becomes so much lower. And that actually means that everyone becomes less likely to get infected with um, the virus. And so really a community effort of being vaccinated is, is the way forward for us to be able to go back to normal without that fear, that COVID cloud fear. Anything else you want to touch on today? Um, I, I think just a good reminder um, of our testing and our vaccine. Um, so a couple of the websites that I've shared before, the gogettested.com helps you find a testing location here in Shawnee County. It's free for, for anyone in Shawnee County. There's like three different sites. Um, and then we have many, many vaccine providers and they're in the hospitals, the health department, pharmacies, um, I think some you know, uh, doctor's offices, lots of opportunity to be vaccinated and um, to find a provider close to, close to your home or your work, vaccinefinder.org is a good website to go to. And in fact, you can just put in your zip code and then you can actually select the vaccine that you want to get. So if you're someone who really wants Pfizer, you can just search for the locations that are offering Pfizer. Um, it's pretty pretty slick operation. Well, Dr. Aaron Locke, thanks so much for stopping by. Yeah, thank you for having me. Not every story makes it into print, so here's some news that you might have missed, starting with last Thursday's Shawnee County Commission meeting. Good morning, Commissioners. Teresa Fisher, Interim Director with the Health Department. Um, As the clerk read, um, this is our request to actually accept the funding. The Health Department received a grant for $980,000 to cover payroll for the Infectious Disease Division and other staff working to stop COVID-19. As a reminder, this funding was only open to local health departments. Um, We had the base amount of $100,000, and then the additional was based on our population. So that's the total that we arrived at. Also from last Thursday's commission meeting. Good morning again, commissioners. This is a contract to purchase real estate. That was Shawnee County Councilor Jim Crowell. Shawnee County approved a contract with K-1 Realty to purchase a vacant building that will provide more room for county staff. Shawnee County District Attorney Mike Hage was excited to hear more space could be available soon. Uh, We have been cramped 
uh, ever since I've been in the office. I know I've been talking about this going on five years now. Kaye said some employees can't even come into the office because there's no room. There will be an inspection of the property, and the county isn't yet liable for any funds if there are concerns found during the inspection. And finally, Topeka City Council approved a lease for the Topeka Police Department's training facility. Interim Police Chief Brian Wheelis said the lease is from 2022 through 2026 and is within the National Guard's complex on Topeka Boulevard. In the interest of brevity, obviously training center is very important to the overall operation of the police department. It's important to the community, uh, and it's important, I know, to this governing body. The annual payment to lease the facility is around $59,000. That's going to do it for us here today. For more Capital City news, you can follow us on our social medias. We are at CJ Online on Twitter and the Topeka Capital Journal on Facebook and Instagram. My name is Blaze Messa, and it's been an honor, a pleasure, and a privilege. I'll see you all next week.